<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Jeez, yeah, gosh, yesterday we went out. We went out on a Wednesday. We went out on a weeknight. We went out on a weeknight. Our we have a friend whose birthday is October twenty fifth. Um. And I guess that was it for my party season for <laughs> all Halloween. I'm <laughs> I can't do it. I'm tired. That that was, it wasn't even a Halloween party. It was just I know. Some birthday. I was and I'm like, like, I know. I agree. I was like, did I just drink the wrong things? And I haven't been out in so long with like people that I just kept like slugging down drinks. I was like, yeah. I think I think <clears> I drank my first two drinks within like 30 minutes. I was like, and I'll need another. Um, I woke up this morning quite fuzzy. And you know, for me, the hangovers are more like my sinuses, right? Just get like obliterated i get yeah yeah everything uh i made brian and i get up and do like a 45 minute uh full body weighted workout on peloton and at one point uh tears started to roll down my cheeks because (laughs) i I was like my body doesn't like this anymore but i did it and i now i feel great now i feel great brooke (laughs) we're gonna we're gonna go run the dogs up the hill after this in in an event in an attempt to get the demons out of yeah you gotta get the blood you gotta get that blood pumping i know i know the more you You hold still all that stuff you'd feel terrible um well that's some great advice and welcome to side work podcast everybody podcast we're full of advice we're here for you guys uh this is part two where you know uh of our Halloween spooky season <gasps> episode. Oh gosh. Yes, oh, it is. Boy. Yes, it is. Uh we've got more. This this episode is a little more uh tilted toward bars where bartenders were kind of murdery mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. infamous bars where murderers hung out. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, uh, you know, before we get into that, you guys, next week's our two hundredth episode. Holy shit. I know I mean, that's monumental. I feel really good about it. Two hundred, two hundred of something. Two hundred of a thing that we did. It's pretty yeah. great, you know. They they say a certain amount of hours. I mean, we have put in over an hour easily into mm-hmm. many many of these episodes. Mm-hmm. So when you think about it, you're mm-hmm. like, wow. I think it's on par with how many collective hangovers we've had together. If you think about it, absolutely. Also <laughs> true. Um, yeah. Yeah. 200 and it's 200. like my, it'll be my birthday Yay! and I'm turning officially middle-aged. Ooh. Yay. Spooky and scary. It's fine. That is spooky for sure. But 
I'm excited for it. I'm excited to celebrate you. All the celebrations. I was looking at uh, birthdays because for some reason I still have like birthdays like logged in, like plugged into my calendar on my phone. I need to like turn something off. It's fine, but it's people that I haven't talked to in like 10 fucking years. Like, you know, okay, yeah. It's like that kind of thing. I think it's like linked. I don't know what it's linked through, but I'm just like, there's so many birthdays in October. Would those be New Year's babies? No. We are we are the products of our cho- uh, we are the children of parents who only fucked on Valentine's Day. <laughs> My brother okay. and I are both November babies, so we it's it's a Valentine's Day um, Got sort it. of yeah it's the <laughs> precursor it's the required fucking that has to happen on Valentine's Day. I I get I get jumbled with gestational periods sometimes, so thank you for <laughs> clarifying. Uh, <laughs> Oh my god, that's so great! Well, let's just jump into these spooky headlines. You know, yes. we've got some nice themed headlines for you. Yes, um, this first one's great. You should kick it off for sure. Yeah, no, no problem. So this was an Eater article that I found to be quite fascinating. Um, it's written first person. The actual, like the actual server, is the author of this story. If you guys want to check it out, it's called "Confessions of a Tableside Flambeur." Flambeur. I'm not sure. Anyways. Talking about um, the maximalist style right now of some restaurants where people kind of want to go back out and they don't want the bare minimum. They they want to be, you know, like the Korean place that you went to they where the guy was like, mm-hmm. they want to be wowed. They, they mm-hmm. want you to literally pull out the big guns. And so if you're not familiar with a, what a flambe is, that is taking a dessert like Bananas Foster. It's specifically Bananas Foster, right? Uh, and, uh, yeah, Bananas Foster is this article, but there's also Cherry's Jubilee and then yes. Baked Alaska is another. Another yes. one that's not mentioned in this article. Yeah. But essentially you're you're wheeling that dessert cart over, which, oh my God, throwback. Have you had a dessert cart come by a table in a it hot has, decade or two? I, no, no. I don't know if I've ever had a fucking dessert. Other than they're just like, they bring the tray, but like no one's bringing like a preparation no. station to your table, you know? No, yeah. no. So you roll out your dessert cart and with table side, you have to essentially start a potentially uncontrolled fire to get the liquor and the flame to get this perfect flambe, which then is a very spectacular spectator worthy, like whoosh, like a big, and then, and then it, it caramelizes everything without using essentially like a butane gun. So you're doing it just with your caveman open flame and everyone goes, ah, fire. And um, I'm very, very happy. I mean, for Uh, me, like the best was like a saganaki moment, like at a Greek restaurant, a flambe cheese. (laughs) So um, what's great is this server who is the author of this article goes on to say, nobody really gets any training. (laughs) Nobody. You're literally thrown into the fire. (laughs) And and it goes wrong a lot. Or it sounds like the worst part, too, like as a server. I have more of that failure to launch fear more so than setting. I think it'd be also terrible to set someone on fire. Don't get me wrong. But all of like, it feels like this person's specific weight mare would be not able to get the dessert set on fire. Yeah, and have for to, sure. Like, Just like a yeah. total fail and then have to start again. I over mean, over and know, over and over again, maybe yeah. wheel it away, come back, get someone to help you. And then it just turns into this embarrassing jumble, you know? I think it's great. I mean, the the restaurant that um that they work at is in New York City. Um and I they have spent a lot of money revitalizing like these two restaurants that are like 
basically, you know, they spent 30 million to restore this iconic space. Um, and wow. then the roving carts they used for tableside service were custom built for $20,000 each. Wow. This is basically uh, one of my favorite, the, what I think the funniest line in the article. It says, in other words, every time someone orders a bananas foster at the grill, a tuxedoed captain rolls up to their table pushing a trolley that costs as much as a Hyundai Elantra. I was going to say, <laughs> like, you're in charge of essentially a brand new car. Um, I think it's great, but they're doing, you know, Crab Louie and Dover Souls and like doing like wild mushroom omelets. I mean, this is a very French thing, too, to have tableside preparation, mm-hmm. right? I think that's where it all kind of stems from. And people want to show. And this is the thing, though. It's like, like you were saying, like, you know, when I went to the great like Korean restaurant, like the server like stopped and was like, you have your phone out. Are you ready? Because right. that's what everybody wants is like they want the fucking they're, they're like, ah, now I have the video. Now I have the power and I can post it on social media. Right. And that's and- really what it's about you know to be fair it's like they may as well because it's like i'm not going to do it again so if you need your moment it's about to happen because everyone yeah i like this part too and someone's like do it again he's like happily i can do it again if you order another bananas foster yeah i also like when he like rolls up to the table and he's like i've never made one of these before so just be careful and that's just like that's his like line he uses on everybody his and of can course, server I, bit. yeah yep. it's like if i, I love we it we would each have our line if we were lighting things on fire all night long table side at restaurants um i don't know there's got to be like there's something to it though that it's just kind of like you know and it goes on to say in this article like the fascination with fire right absolutely that everybody has it's just like playing and then to make something that's so luxurious and sweet from like something that's so like mystical and dangerous is like a really fun thing. <laughs> well, I think this of, is a great article. Speaking of dangerous, he goes on to say that very untrained. Um, I mean, it's an accident that can happen to anyone, but this happened in Madrid several months ago. Two people died and 10 people got injured in an Italian restaurant um, on a Friday evening in Madrid. They tried to flambe something. It it's got like out of control. Yeah. I Yeah. So you're like, what are you even flambeing? This didn't even, you know, I'm thinking of Italian food and those usually don't go hand in hand. But what right. happens is this is in flame, Madrid. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, because. Yeah. Yeah. But the, oh, no, the it's flame, Italian restaurant. Yeah. Italian restaurant in Madrid. But basically the flame got out of control and caught all the plastic plants in the restaurant on fire, literally spread like wildfire. And it enveloped everyone in there. People had trouble getting out. Two fucking died from the uh, flambe. In like 10 minutes. Yes. That's how quick it went. I mean, I would say it's also Spain, which is like gastronomy capital, like of the planet. So I am assuming they're just like, we we let our pizzas on fire here. That's how we do it differently. Super (laughs) tragic, but just goes to show that this is like dangerous. This is a dangerous culinary art. Yes, you know, very much so. Very, very scary. Uh, In headlines, also very, very frightening. And this goes along with I I dropped a TikTok about ranch dressing. Yeah, we are facing a shortage of ranch dressing. And it's not Taylor Swift's fault. She didn't like (laughs) You know, she didn't register 30,000 people to, you know, buy ranch. (laughs) I love how she gets people to vote. It's incredible. Um, But essentially, because a lot of people don't know that the parent company specifically of Hidden Valley Ranch is Clorox. Clorox bleach owns tons of food and cleaning products. So Mm -hmm. that's not really 
that unusual. It's sort sure. of like under brands. the umbrella. It's like the Johnson and Johnson. Yeah, like or Kraft or correct. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but essentially, Clorox got cyber hacked, and for some reason, it has caused a shortage in the availability of bottles of branch that you would find in the grocery store and the dry mix packet and people are flipping the fuck out i mean it makes sense i just saw this recipe for like the best roasted broccoli you could make and guess what the secret ingredient is a ranch dry ranch packet yeah fuck yes Mm -hmm. i love it but people let us know how you're doing out there i still have not seen sriracha back on shelves um, and it's I'm not like, back. We got it. We we paid fourteen dollars for a big bottle of it on Amazon. I'm not gonna ooh. lie. <laughs> like I was like, Mama needs her basic bitch sriracha back in her life. You know, like yeah. I think people are just gonna start making their own ranch. Honestly, it's tastier. Fight me. It's prove, you know. Yes, we have our our friend of the pod, uh, Kirsten. She you know made tubs of homemade delicious ranch sent us photos and we respect that um anyways just uh be careful out there guys you know um no no wrestling for ranch guys no wrestling for ranch or just you know maybe make harder decisions about how much ranch do i need on this pizza today because i might have to start rationing my ranch it's very true i I wonder what restaurants are going to do. And then you wonder who is going to get like first dibs like on what ranch because it always goes. Because I feel like all of the restaurants have first dibs on the sriracha supply. Like all the Thai restaurants are still pretty flush with like sriracha and sambal right now. So I wonder how the trickle is going to happen. And I wonder if like little sides of ranch are going to start going up and up and up. Yep. Knows. Yep. When I mean when there was no ketchup during the pandemic and people were like, you know, I still have my Heinz ketchup packets that I was ready to use as currency if Uh the grid. If the grid collapsed, I was going to be like, can I buy an axe? I'll give you 15 packets of Heinz ketchup, you know, sort of thing. Anyways. It's so good. Oh, boy. Well, Godspeed to all you ranch lovers out there. Oh, my Whew. God. Ugh. Like I said, be safe. Be safe out there. Um, um, so guess what? In lieu of a server submitted story, we are going to have a someone who's very near and dear to the show. Basically... What do we call it? Weave a yarn? Wait, uh, weave a tail? We, uh, a yarn spin, a, a, spin a yarn. Spin a yarn um, of his own personal ghost story. Because mm-hmm. uh, y'all didn't send us any. But anyways. <laughs> this one's good. It's really quite great. Yes, but um, let's let's please welcome to the podcast for our server submitted story. <laughs> very own Brian Lucas. Hello. Hi. Brian. <laughs> um, you know, Brian and I first met and I don't know, God, we've been together for like 18 years or so. And I don't know, like it was pretty quickly into our relationship that we like got on the subject of like scary stories and have you ever seen a ghost and have you not ever seen a ghost? So he told me this story, which I've known for a very long time, which happened in college, right? Yeah. Um, this was in, uh, I started my undergrad in uh, Springfield, Missouri, um, what is now Missouri State. Um, and Springfield uh, has claimed to be one of the most haunted cities. Um, I feel like every uh, there's all kinds of cities that have claimed that. So um, I guarantee Charleston has more ghosts than Springfield. But oh, yeah. uh, it's a different vibe. I feel like it's a, like a born again Christian like ghost vibe. Yeah, like- I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Springfield is right in the buckle of the Bible Belt. So um 
that might play into it. But anyway, so this was uh, mid nineties. Uh, I was moving out of a place, going to get a house with a, a kid who was in the theater department with me. Um, we're looking for a place, find out this uh, girl who's in the theater department with us um, owned a house that she lived in for uh, about a year, maybe two. Um, and she was moving out of the house into an apartment. We we're like, why would you move out of a house that you own to go to an Uh-oh. apartment? I don't she know. says, People well, we'll do it here in L.A. all the time, you know? Yeah. And, she, <laughs> you know, and she said, well, the house has the house has bad energy was all she would say it has bad energy. And she was a bit of a hippie. And so we we're like, eh, OK, rolled our eyes. We we're like, OK, hippie. Like, yeah. Disregard you know. the hippie lady. And what oh, yeah. She has oh, yeah. To say. Oh, yeah. We definitely, you know, we're like, oh, well, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, so he and I decided we're going to move in with another friend of ours, uh, Travis, and this girl who I didn't know, but uh, Nick uh, knew from high school. So we all start moving in, and pretty quickly we things were off. We didn't necessarily <laughs> clock it, but like the the vibe in the house was weird. Our interactions between people were weird. All of a sudden the girl just ghosted us, decided she didn't want to live with us because uh, uh, Travis was gay and she didn't, didn't know he was gay and it made her uncomfortable. And we were like, well, one, like nobody was hiding that he was gay. It was pretty obvious. Thought it was a known, Um, but okay. Homophobe, get out, but good riddance to you. And we bring in another guy, uh, Mike, who was, I was good friends with, also in our theater department. So it was four guys. Pretty quickly um, after we moved in, uh, two of the guys, Nick and Travis, left town for some reason, holiday, something. And it was, it was probably Christmas holidays because it was cold. And Mike lived in this back part of the house that was a add-on to the house uh and so it didn't get heated very well and so he was going to stay in travis's room because it was warmer so we were hanging out at some point we decided to go to bed um and i'm laying in my bed and thought mike was in his room and so i hear somebody walking around in the living room like very clear footsteps and i like mike is that you and from the other bedroom he's like no that wasn't you? <laughs> no. Okay. So we flip out. We're like we find a, what, a, there was a baseball bat in a closet. We grabbed mm-hmm. the baseball classic, bat. Classic. Classic. Huddled, you know, up against each other, like going through a haunted house with this baseball bat, looking for whatever person made this sound. Couldn't, didn't find anything. Didn't see anything. Walked all around the, the yard, outside, inside, no sign of anything. We were both like, we clearly heard somebody walking around in the house. Okay. So I think I was 20 at the time. He was probably 21. The two of us slept in the same bed together. We were so (laughs) terrified. We were like, somebody or something was in the the living room. Okay. Next morning, we like, okay, we were hearing things. We're overreacting. Okay. Raz, you're trying to rationalize. Yeah. The unknown. Yeah. Exactly. And <laughs> this so, is how every script for every horror movie goes, right? but it's but it's real. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. oh, right. So that ha- nothing happened weird like that happens for a while, but then all of a sudden like all the energy like between the roommates like everything was very volatile. Like uh 
there were Nick and Travis were having a secret love affair and Nick was, you know, nobody knew this was going on, but they would get in these drag out fights wow. uh, where like dishes were being thrown against wall. I came home one day and found all my dishes smashed because one of them thought they were the other one's dishes and Oops. just, and then there was happening with me and Mike, we had been friends, never had any kind of argument. We're constantly fighting with each other, screaming I, I, like, Things that I never had with friends before, that kind of this just really volatile energy, um, which was, you know, we didn't again, didn't clock it as being anything weird, you know, tied right. to the house. We were just like, OK, well, it's strange. OK, uh, then one point, Mike comes in and starts telling me about how he got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and walked out to the living room and hears a voice say get out <laughs> and Mom. he i don't know if he's trying to like rationalize it or what but he was like i didn't feel threatened it didn't seem aggressive it was just a matter of fact get out hey this is my time what are you doing in here yeah <laughs> that's what he said so he was like okay i'll get out <laughs> And he was like, after that, he never like walked into the main part of the house in the middle of the night by himself. He was like, I'm just going to stay back here in my room. He had his own like little bathroom. And he was like, there's no reason for me to go out there in the no, middle of the night. Not at all. But he didn't really, you know, none of this is getting communicated between us all that much. I mean, he mentioned that, but he didn't like really pass on how terrified he was, uh, even though he because he kept saying, oh, it didn't seem aggressive. So Nick had been living in the basement and the uh, basement was this unfinished basement, dirty college house basement where, you know, they had set it. He had somebody I don't even think he had set it up. But yeah, no, it was a previous uh, roommate uh, had set up like this little seating living room area with like these old seats from a minivan and like a shitty coffee table. And then there were like, you know, shitty college posters all it's over a classy the classy setup in college baby and a like. futon and you know it, be, it was like a social area when mm -hmm. we had parties and you know he was down one day he just comes up and says i don't want to live in the basement anymore i was like okay why well, he's like i just don't like it down there i don't want to live in the basement and I was like, okay fine i'll i'll switch rooms with you i don't really care um so we switch rooms i'm down there for a couple weeks um one night in the middle of the night, I just wake up and I roll over and I'm facing the the living room set up, these van seats. And I see this like hazy image of a little boy, red T-shirt, uh, blue baseball cap, just sitting on the seat. And I'm like, OK, I'm, you know, I'm half awake. So I just I'm like, I'm, I'm dreaming. I'm seeing something. I kind of like roll over, come back and look at it. It's gone. I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm imagining things. Go back to sleep. I don't know. I was stupid. I don't know why it didn't freak me out completely, but I went back to sleep. Next morning, sitting in the kitchen, um, eating breakfast, and there's three of the four roommates in there. Nick, who had been down there previously, was there. And I was like, yeah, it's weird. I had like this weird dream last night where I like rolled over and I, like, I saw this little boy sitting on like these seats and he, he like, turns white and looks at me and he was like did he have a, a red t-shirt and a blue baseball cap and i was like what what and he's like that's why i don't want to live down there anymore 
And I was like, you fucking asshole. Like, first of all, don't like you just want somebody else to live down there. <laughs> and uh, so we start talking about it. And we're like, you know, we both saw the same thing. And we then go to Andrea, the girl who owned the house, because at this point we're starting to put two to two. We're like, OK, this all house- right. I think it's time to bring the hippie girl we all didn't want to listen to back. Into <laughs> yeah. <the fray. laughs> and. She says, you know, starts telling us about weird experiences they had. Again, it was mo- she said it was mostly how people who lived in the house interacted with each other, that mm-hmm. there was bad energy involved in relationships with the house, but that everybody had like one little instant where they would hear something, see something. Nobody else saw, but Nick and I saw this little boy. But she claimed that the the seat she had gotten from the neighbor across the street from the house who had lost his little boy in a car accident, not involving these car seats that they had, but a different vehicle. Um, And she was like, it was probably that boy. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I definitely I know that I saw the same thing that Nick saw, which was this little boy just sitting on the seat with red T-shirt, blue baseball cap. And I don't, again, being young and stupid, I don't, I didn't like instantly go, I'm not living down there anymore. And like now I'd be like, no. Fuck <laughs> this. Sure. I mean, that's part of it. Youth is definitely a part of like it for sure. And you're just like, whatever. Plus, like knowing you and the kind of sleeper you are, yeah. you're a wild sleeper and you have to sleep through anything. Yeah. Like, and, you know, um, there had to have been two different entities in the house, though, don't you think? Like, I, I, I do. It sounds like it. I do wonder about that because I I did live in another place that had a little bit of a poltergeist in the same city, like two blocks away. Um, And that one was very unthreatening. It was almost like a helpful entity entity. And I never, you know, didn't bother. Yeah, You were telling Brooke and I last night, like that ghost was like, I'll help you do your homework. Yeah. It was like, (laughs) oh, you're putting off studying this. And then he would thump in the room and we, I went in and my Ryan, book was open. Better get your study. You know, done. Things like that. But or the box. But this is one where the kid, yeah, I don't know if it, there was something going on with the house and then the kid was separate with the seats, uh, you know, but it, and then, you know, I never, I never saw it again. It was only the one time. Um, and I, but the, the energy only got better. Eventually, Mike moved out. Uh, and then we had a uh, a girl who was in our department who um, was in a bad relationship and needed to get out quickly. So she moved into our place and then never had anything after that. So I don't know if the female, I mean, hmm. obviously, Andrea, who owned the house, had issues when she was there. So I don't I don't know. Hmm. But uh, I feel like, like it's good that you guys like started talking about it and recognizing it. Maybe that's like kind of what made it. Maybe. Who knows? Ugh. But regardless, I, I would have been my... freaked the fuck out. Yeah. I personally have never had experiences where I've been like, I mean, I have, I like, I have like, you know, psychic ability to some point. I am a total empath. There was like so much where I'm just like, I feel you're like, like how I'm come you're not appearing? Like, I'm, I'm so open. I'm a vessel too, guys. I'm okay with it. I don't, I don't really need yeah. it, but. I've never, other than those two places, I've never had anything 
right before or since i and mean other than having like the overwhelming like when i went to my mom's house if i could like smell like my stepdad's like tobacco when i like rolled into the house that's like mm-hmm. the only time that i've had anything you know but still and i was like oh this is real as fuck like this is yes you know and it was really comforting you know so and i know you've had very similar experiences too brooke Yes, with the olfactory yeah. haunting mm-hmm. of like my my grandma's here. Like this is crazy. I, it's like I was looking at an empty chair in the driveway, and I was like, "There, like my grandmother's perfume is is emanating from this chair outside." And she's like keeping me company while I'm like doing things, going back and forth from the garage. There was just no reason for that smell to be so concentrated out of nowhere and so specific. And then I told my brother that, and he's like. I was out walking dogs and got haunted and overwhelmed by grandma's perfume also. So it's like she visited both of us. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, but yeah, as much as I've never been haunted, I tell you what, having to close down a restaurant at night when you last went in oh, there yeah. and it's dark and you turn out the lights, my ass like run, I like run out. Don't look behind you. Just like go, <laughs> go, 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 go. Yeah. So that. The spirits need to come out and play. You they know? do. I know. That's how I feel about it. I was like, if I came back in, I have actually come back into places before where I just feel energy. If I forget something and I have to turn the lights back on, I'm always like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I just forgot a thing. And then I like leave. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't well, know who I'm talking to anybody. That's that's how you don't get a get out. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm like, sorry. From- I know. I know. Well, you guys are probably like, I see this thing. I'm out. <laughs> well, it's like uh, theaters, you know, so many theaters are haunted that they they're the idea of the ghost light you leave a light on on the stage for the ghosts mm-hmm. yeah you know and yeah. every theater in the country if not the world has a ghost light it's also Do so restaurants that, have ghost lights they should i mean it's also so people don't fall into the orchestra pit right <laughs> Things like yes that, right. yes don't fall in the pit that's also that's good that's good advice brian thanks for coming on and sharing yeah. your journey Way to drop all the names. Hopefully everybody's okay with... No, I'm kidding. I'm sure yeah, they're I'm not a, listening. They're probably not They're listening. fine. We're all adults would, now. Um, yeah. Happy Halloween, guys. Happy Halloween, everybody. Have fun. Yeah. Be safe. And um, yeah. Now let's, now let's uh, jump into some really fun, crazy, spookier bar stories. And, and you can email us at sideworkpod at gmail.com. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low- and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, welcome back to part two. (laughs) 
it's Halloween, guys. Um, we're back at it. Let's just jump right back in. If you guys missed uh part one, though, we've been covering spooky haunted restaurants. Duh, what else did we talk about? Yeah. Um, and in general, if you just can't get enough of spooky season anything, you can go back and look around these dates for every, you know, consecutive year. And we have done usually two to three episodes uh, all in the manner of spooky over the past year. So feel free to go back and visit those. Those were really fun to do, too. I mean, if you're Henry Zabrowski and yeah. some other fun peeps on the show in the past. If you're lucky, next year we'll do four episodes that are mm. Halloween themed. Oh, well, the to be fair, month. To be f- we kicked off spooky season with the health inspector. That's very true. <laughs> so <laughs> frightening. Did. Okay, so let's talk about Formosa Cafe. This oh, is yeah, you, you have been. Los Angeles. Um, so this place, it's pretty famous. I think it's like, you know, donned a lot of celebrities over the years. So after shuttering in 2016, Bummer. this historic Hollywood haunt, part of which uh, fashion from is fashion from an old trolley car recently made a comeback. So it's back um, with its famous green neon sign out in front. Uh, and it reopened this past June. So though it went underwent a refresh, it still holds true to its old Hollywood roots uh, with a black and white celebrity headshots everywhere. Memorabilia on display, terrazzo floors, vintage bars, rather lead booths, red leather booths. I can speak. Um, and yeah. So basically speaking of booths, you want to request booth number eight, the favorite table of former owner Lem Kwan, who reportedly still haunts the place. His grandson, who used to own it, talked to staff members who saw what they thought was a ghost and described him as having a strange walk and crumpled <laughs> cardigan. Okay. The grandson was like, uh, yeah, that's my grandfather. Uh, and he felt that his grandfather was very much keeping an eye on things. And there have been other reports of staff members feeling pushed or pinched while standing in front of the booth, most likely by Quan, who wanted them to get back to work oh. ah! this is maybe my favorite uh, uh this season is to have a former owner slash manager's ghost haunting a place who just keeps reminding you if you got time to lead you got you time got- to clean even All in right. the afterlife polish the glassware okay i don't yeah I'd I was going like, to ask, I was, I was just like his name, Lem Kwan. I was like, he sounds like he is, you know, uh, Asian American. Taiwanese and, yep, American. American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, but listen to this, like the fact, wait, so we can go we modern know. day. Mm-hmm. Oh girl, the, the uh, Taiwanese American menu has, the, it says a mix of retro classic and tiki cocktail. I know. It'd be really fun to go to. We should, ooh, we should absolutely I'm, go looking it up right now which area is it in i think i probably west hollywood i would imagine yeah all the good super haunted shit is um hollywood see. west i don't yep. know santa monica yeah. boulevard in mm-hmm. west hollywood california mm-hmm. you guessed mm-hmm. it oh very fun i'm yeah. really into that ooh, 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 ooh. all right love so- it checking them off the list i'm scared i don't like to know i'm just like i've been to you know actually as when we get into things and a lot of these restaurants that we've gone down the line i've been like oh i've been to so many of these places but you know you know i'm okay and i live to tell the tale oof jesus christ well this one's um 
this story about this barn grill in Georgia, the PI Barn Grill. This is pretty glum. This is pretty macabre, speaking of. Uh, so, like, as we were saying, many cocktails, many sayings, uh, and many terms for people have a history and a story behind them. We just found out last episode where the word hooker comes from. Uh-huh. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the PI bar, the PI bar and grill, they have a cocktail called the Emily. It's a gin number, mm-hmm. and it's uh, sold in Augusta, Georgia, as we mentioned at the PI bar and grill. So basically, um, this spot has been in the town for more than a century, and it's had a lot of famous guests. And one of the most famous was a woman named Emily. Um, who's been sitting around as long as the bar's open, folks. All right. She's not a hundred years old woman. She's been there as a ghost. <laughs> um, so basically, legend has it that has it on her wedding day, Emily, our friend here, was getting dressed in the bridal suite at the Partridge Inn when she found out her fiance to be day of the wedding had been shot in a case of mistaken identity while riding his horse through town. Classic Deadwood. That is, again, this just all goes back to Deadwood. Basically, we can thank all of our current hauntings on Deadwood Deadwood era. Most likely. Yeah, Gold Rush era type shit. Yes. Um, But our friend Emily, and honestly, admittedly, was so grief-stricken that she would not take that damn wedding dress off for weeks. Weeks? My God, you know... um, People were trying to get Emily to snap out of it and, you know, to overcome her grief. And she had like hot suitors all around town trying to be like, I will take care of you. You know, probably really good intention men trying to, you know, make it right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. make it right and marry her. She absolutely said no to it all, never recovered and died of a broken heart. So to this day at the uh, Partridge Hotel, the P.I.N., Guests report a beautiful girl with long, dark hair who wanders the halls and staircases. Um, Guess what she's in, Andrea? A wedding dress? Yeah, she's (laughs) in a wedding dress. (laughs) Just wandering up and down the halls waiting for her groom's arrival, which, as we know, didn't come. Um, Not going to happen, Emily. I'm sorry. So basically, when you order an Emily from the bar, you need to toast her namesake and send her a blessing. Um, and the, the the signature cocktail is um, apparently a purple hue, which is hmm. kind of cool and creepy and very, mm-hmm. ga- you know, ghoulish and ghastly. So it's from a mix of butterfly pea flower tea and mm. blueberry. That is so Georgia. And lavender syrup, some lavender simple syrup, you know, just having a lavender Toast Emily. Em- yeah, you got to toast Emily at the bar. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Poor scorned Emily. Just, just truly, truly go stinky in her stinky, stinky wedding dress. (laughs) I am like the pit stains, you know, that especially back in those times, they were all long sleeved and probably up to your chin with like a lace. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. It wasn't. Oh, that's what I like. Don't get me Mm -hmm, wrong. I loved, mm -hmm. you know. Andrea and Brian just celebrated not that long ago in October a big anniversary. Twelve. Just twelve, you know. Twelve. Yeah. Pretty great. But yeah. 
you had the beautiful sleeveless number where yeah you know, I had like a real like vintage like like a 40s glam situation going on yeah mm-hmm. but what I'm saying is the girls could breathe you know oh yeah and for sure our friend Emily one. yep all the way up to the neck mm-hmm. we all know it was it was hard to find a bath back in those probably days probably was too, like corseted and- also you know you wear a corset for weeks things go bad do you think okay my bet is Emily was just getting into the bath bucket with the wedding dress on oh, and soaking sure. in it Absolutely. with a bottle of whiskey and like maybe saying, like like with her like I can just see like her bouquet and then like you know like flowers hanging in the bath too I know Poor she's Emily. giving she's giving corpse bride but corpse bride who just is really drunk with a bottle of whiskey going cocksucker <laughs> I will not stop. That is. I love how you're like 10 years behind the times. 20 more years than behind that. the times. No. Deadwood came out 20 years ago. Deadwood came out 20 years ago, honey. It's really fucking old. Wow. Oh, all right. Well, what do you I know? I know. I know. No. Yes. It's an I'm old gonna... fucking show. All right. Here's what's going to happen. Every, We're gonna... Bit... All right. All right. We're going to move on. Brian's right, going to look fine. it up. And if we have to stop in the middle of the next goddamn <laughs> spooky bar, 2004. Wow. Nine years ago. That's crazy. I just, I, what is time? Anyway. I know. I know. Anywho. Okay. Uh, All right. Yeah. So basically, we're kind of moving into a few different areas now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, where now either the, Specifically, bars are frequented by serial killers, mm-hmm. or maybe the bartenders, a serial killer, um, and just bartenders who have really great ghost stories. So, shall we awesome. begin? Yeah, let's begin. You kick her off, Brooke. Okay, so there is this really great story. Let me find it. Sorry, sorry. Okay. This was compliments of Esquire, and there is a waterfront bar in Washington, the state of Washington, so the Pacific Northwest, that is considered the roughest bar and the most murderous bar in America. Okay. Um, yeah, it's in Bellingham, Washington, and the Be- I guess it's called the Bellingham, mm-hmm. but I also saw it was called like, you know, um, shit, it, that it was like... Eh, whatever. But I thought it was called like a seafood saloon or whatever. So we'll call it the Bellingham because that's what Red Lobster. Saying. You thought it was called Red Lobster. I thought it, I thought it was called uh, Joe's Crab Shack. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess it's called the Bellingham, even though the sign out front says differently. But it has this saloon has slung booze to no less than three of America's most notorious serial killers. Not only has Ted Bundy fucking hung out there probably on one of his jail breaks right when he was just Mm -hmm. like running around hiding in the woods and shit also if you know about the hillside stranglers one of the two of those fucking wretched humans kenneth bianchi also hung out at the bellingham and recently the dc sniper john muhammad i mean and that and that to go on is they have so many stories of like those are the three big ones, but they've gone on to house several murderers and small time yeah, felons. Just not serial murderers, just regular right. plain day murderers. Yeah, right. Th- those those are the big guys. Don't get me wrong. So they've had a longtime bartender there named Wally Oyen, which I'm I'm assuming I'm 
pronouncing correctly. And he's going on. He's waited on Bianchi back in the day. He's like, he was the nicest guy guy in the world. You know, he's like, so to find out he is a total serial killer helped me not be surprised when I found out that Muhammad was also a sniper. And because is he a serial killer or do you call a mass murderer? Well, I, I guess mean, he's a serial killer, a serial murderer, like serial I murderer, guess, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he was a sniper, right? I mean, we're yeah. not, yeah, we're not a murder podcast, so whatever. But regardless, he really <laughs> terrified DC and killed many innocent people just the same. But basically, his point is, he was also another quiet, easygoing, nice patron who just drank beer, made no trouble. Although he makes a point to say, "Motherfucker didn't tip." Um, But then they go on to say there was another regular named James Allen Kinney who was convicted of the 1998 murder of a Massachusetts woman. And then he goes on to say, now that guy was a fucking asshole. So like we probably could have seen that coming. Um, But essentially it's like a like I mentioned, like a like a dimly lit, creaky wooden floor, barnacle encrusted on stilts above the bay sort of. You know, hang yeah, like a absolutely, like absolutely, like ding, a real ding. wanderer. Fogs rolling in. <laughs> um, it has two dollar beer and four dollar clam chowder. Would one hundred percent pay the vomit fee to go hang out there? <laughs> Would pay vomit fee one hundred. <laughs> Would for pay sure. vomit fee. Uh. And people are like, why? Why do the bloodthirsty humans of of this planet choose? the waterfront at the Bellingham, you know, to sit and sort of commingle among the public. But one of the other regulars who's not a murderer, um, he has a theory. He's like, hey, listen, the bar is the lowest point in the hilly town. And it's as far as anyone can run in America without leaving the country. That's how close it is to Canada. Interesting. Yeah. And he's like, all the troublemakers roll into town and then just old gravity itself just kind of brings them down that sidewalk to the edge and there's the Bellingham. Um, But more or less, uh, here's what they do know, and it could be counting. Um, For the former waterfront drinking patrons, either now incarcerated or in penitentiaries or in hell, um, have been convicted of or await trial for a minimum of 46 murders. Regulars. There are 46 murders on the book based off the regulars. All right. Okay, that's that's crazy. That's I want to go crazy. there. I, I mean, Washington's a, I mean, you know, it's Washington a, is Creepsville, man. It's there's a lot going on. It's, it's a real Twin Peaks, it's Twin Peaks territory. And this would be because, like, one eye jacks is, is one eye jacks in Canada? I forget. I think, I, they cross across, the border to yeah, New Canada. Yeah. For so this is yep. like right yeah. there. Oh, yeah. For sure. Okay. Maybe for all of our young, young listeners. Highly recommend the series Twin Peaks. Don't well, they just, on it. I, I think some of them might know. They just did like a, you know, like a updated series. So maybe some of it them hasn't gone back. Good. The original ah. one from the 90s. Kind. I just met it in the zeitgeist as of late. Uh, okay. So this next story, Brooke, also takes place in Washington. Okay. Yes. So this is in Aberdeen, Washington, and it's the urban legend uh, of Billy Gold, one of the creepiest serial killers in Washington. Uh, so if I can get the pop-ups to go away, I know the spooky, spooky pop-ups also to, to be noted long ass time ago. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Billy Gold, all right, reportedly had a baby face and he used his innocent good looks to get away with murder. murder. Plus, plus theft and bombings and a host of other neighborhood mishaps. So he says, it says in the history books that he killed large numbers of migrants when he worked as a bartender. Okay. Yeah. In the building that, that is now uh, called Billy's Restaurant in Aberdeen. So over the course of a few years, he also murdered a minimum of 41 sailors and a max of just 52 regular men, basically not enlisted. His victims were random sailors who were traveling alone, visiting Aberdeen. Sailors often stopped inside the building to check for any mail, chit chat with other sailors and laborers. And like that, mean old Billy would mark up his prey and steal their valuables. And he basically would just then he'd kill them. Uh, he'd shoot them or choke them or just like blunt trauma to the head blows to death. That was Billy in a nutshell. So he was finally caught by authorities and that's what finally ended his killing spree. And he served time in prison for being a serial killer before sent out to live out the rest of his days in an asylum. Oh boy. I mean, my God. Yeah. No shit. You think that guy needs a timeout? Yeah. That guy needs a super big timeout. So some (laughs) folks in Aberdeen say that Billy's ghost still haunts the former brothel in East Heron uh, where he would do some murdering. (laughs) This guy just like oh. murdered everybody in this town. He's like, I do some murdering over here. Then I go to work and bartender and do some murdering over there. Yeah, for sure. Um, but maybe he's looking for one of his old treasures that he stole from a sailor. Maybe he thinks he can kill people from beyond the grave. Who knows? But weird things have been reported from inside the bar over the years. Like, you know, the, the basic thing, like, you know, drinking glasses, flying themselves across the room, Just you know, like the, all the, that. Yeah. Overwhelming presence of like a racist piece of shit wanting yeah. to murder the, you, you basically know? like someone who's just like oh, i'll murder you for anything what do you got like he, i got a taste for it now it's so easy i'll just murder you i mean that's what it is it's like you do it a couple times that's just like your shtick you're just like you know well and again always like to claim that you know y'all y'all know we are not a true crime podcast we just <laughs> are you know so forgive dabbling, me if I get things dabbling wrong, one toe in one toe in but it's just this time of year when it comes up but it's we don't know how many true serial killers have existed throughout time because right. of you know the way we're able to now record and track and actually have the police involved and man I, you know i this is a great read if any of you love a good read maybe i'm recommending something stupid but devil in the white city is like such a perfect read for that time really truly when, like nobody knew what the fuck was going on you couldn't track people mm-hmm. and this motherfucker you know was opening basically a hotel to yeah. house to house people who were so excited to come to chicago for the mm-hmm. world's fair mm-hmm. and it was just his elaborate murder dungeon i mean little yeah, did they know you had money you could do whatever you right. wanted to yeah Right. And just nobody questioned. And it was so hard because all everyone did was, you know, communicate through the post and correspondence. Yeah. And it was normal to just wait for a letter for several weeks. And to just know to if be and by, okay. the, by then your, you know, your sister, your daughter, your aunt, whatever, has already been dead for two months. Who knows? You know, oh, God, that <sighs> crazy motherfucker. But this crazy bartender that you just spoke about. I mean, he is giving me devil in the white city vibes oh, all day yeah. long. 
Absolutely. And finally, they're just they're just like, well, send him to prison. He's still gonna get. He still got tried. He still got tried. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, which of course, I guess that's how it is. But I just, I guess I'm just like, if you figure out. Like, did they know he killed that many people originally? Did it come out, like, after he went into the asylum? Like, who knows how all the information, like, you know, spilled out eventually. But it's like, you got a lot of corpses building up around here, you know? It's like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, dude. Well, if we're speaking of Chicago, we should bring up the L&L. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah. So we do have a really fun list that we're going to run down of uh, bars, more bars that serial killers would hang out at. It's so the L&L, which is on Clark and Belmont, Clark and Belmont Ch- baby. Chicago, Illinois, in the Lakeview neighborhood. The L&L has been known over the years as a total. I mean, Gacy and Dahmer hung out there. Like we, separate, maybe on the same night. Who knows? There's been talk of like it was a big punk rock bar back in the day, mm-hmm. a really big punk rock um area. You or know, but at least also like counterculture and yeah, and right on the edge of Boys Town, which is the gay neighborhood. Right. And so Dahmer had been was known to like sit in the front window and like stare like a creep out at like the punk rockers Where? and like people walking by. Where was he in Wisconsin? Um, Milwaukee. So, yeah, I was curious, like, just because, I mean, I, you know, I've, I'm like some big history buff on Dahmer. Did he frequent Chicago? Yeah, he would drive down. There's a bunch of bars. He also went to uh, the, uh, oh, my God, Old Town L House. He went there, too. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I, I yeah. hung out at all the same bars that Dahmer's hung out at. Yeah. And Dahmer. Would, and what, what better thing to do than just a drive straight shot like south 50 miles away or, you know, at roundabouts to just go pick up someone in a town where nobody knows your face, nobody knows your name, and then just drive them right back up to Milwaukee to your lair, you know? Right. And at this point, we're still talking about, you know, especially with Dahmer, like the 90s. And late 80s, 90s. And it's just like people are still they're so transient, especially if they're gay or, Mm -hmm. you know, living an alternative lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. we all come to the big cities is what they do. Right. For sure. But I just I can't. I I have hung out at the LNL many a times and had a great time. They used to have free tampons there in the bathroom. It was fabulous. It was like one of the first bars I ever went to where I was just like. Just big old, just free piles of tampons for the ladies. And I'd always like put an extra one in my purse. Thanks so much, LNL, for that. Thanks, LNL. But I used to go there, man, great jukebox. I've, I, I actually have been there on a Halloween before, you know, like it's, yeah, it's a great place. And I mean, yes, of course, holds a lot of history and it's crazy. And I knew, I think from the very beginning, I think somebody said to me, we're going to go to this bar, LNL. Jeffrey Dahmer used to hang out there like that. It was like premised as such, like the first time I ever went. And it's when I worked at Ding, 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 Buca de Beppo. One of my coworkers took me there for the first time because it was like two A blocks walk. from it yeah. was like two blocks from Buca. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, my yep. God. That's crazy. You did say Buca again, so I had to hit it. But Buca. Um, <laughs> don't make me. Um, <laughs> don't make me. Don't, don't make me do it. Yeah, I mean, Chicago, too, is just one of those cities where you're like, it fucking burned the ground and got rebuilt. So it has creepy history, you know, all throughout it. 
Oh, I mean, all of these bars that like they hung out, like all these serial killers hung out were like basically dive bars. But I want to bring up the jury room, right? So the jury room's in Santa Cruz, and that's where Ed Kemper hung out. And it was a cop bar. Right. This motherfucker would just like, he was big. They named, nicknamed him Big Ed. He was super charming, as they all fucking are. He was 6'9". He was 300 pounds. And yeah, and the bar was right across the street from the courthouse. And so that's where all the off-duty cops hung out. And he would just like hang out there and listen because he they were talking about him. Right. Like not him by name, but what no, he had done. No, but his crimes. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like they didn't know who had perpetrated them yet. No, but, they, but like he was there to like get the dirt to see if they were like onto, well, him, onto him or not. And like- just you keep your enemies you keep your friends close but your enemies closer i mean yeah i've never hung out at a cop bar before your dad was a cop did you ever go any cop bars when you were a kid there there was not a cop bar you were a kid yep nope not when i was a kid nope andrea Um, you know what i meant no but like uh it's also because it wasn't i was from a smaller town whereas like i think this was the norm for um california or like boston obviously like everything or or maryland like we're talking about like in baltimore new york chicago so on and so forth just because um you know all of the departments were just so many and so you know so everything was essentially a cop bar sure but yes in my neighborhood in brooklyn when i lived there i've told you about this spot called ferals which was a brooklyn firefighter and cop bar yes that jocelyn and i lived really close to and they served everything in giant styrofoam cups the biggest mixed drinks you've ever had (laughs) women were not allowed in unless you were escorted in by like your husband or your friend who was a cop or firefighter who had the okay they finally loosened their restrictions a little bit by the end of the time i lived there and we were like fuck it let's go in there and then we were like we hate this like we hate this place like we love the giant drinks and we are you know, Midwestern weirdos, but you could just feel the shitty aggression from just, you know, the boys in blue and the protected wall of silence and all that attitude and behavior. And so no thanks. Yeah. That's like a haunted bar for me. All the crimes they've commit committed that, you know, they don't get charged with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, I but don't what, ever. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say what smarter thing than Ed Kemper, a true sociopath. And, you know, who's probably getting horny listening to them recount the crime scenes and just sitting there so oh, delighted with himself. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I, I can't. Now, Eileen Wernos, uh, I would never go to this bar ever. Um, you know, as she was arrested uh, in 1991 for being a serial killer. We all, we've all seen Monster, I think, or, you know, it's worth the watch if you've never seen it. I don't think I never need to watch it again personally um but she hung out at the last resort which was a you know a biker hangout you know mm-hmm. um where I, I i don't again divey bar um i think well, a lot sure, of you can, transients can... in and out bike you know yeah so speaking to my da- dad being a police officer so her grandparents lived in michigan and she often came around to stay with them when she was in trouble. And after they had, you know, discovered that she was on the lam and she'd committed these crimes, my dad was part of the police force that had been alerted to look out for serial killer Eileen Warnos. Wow. Who might be coming to our area in our suburbs 
um, outside of Rochester and they were all stationed ready to fucking capture her and take her down. But then she made this detour down to Florida instead. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? And the other thing I've, I've said too is that my dad is just like a serial killer magnet. I don't know what the problem is. Probably a serial killer. I'll find out. But um, he's like a bar in Washington. Oh boy. So his, his, his really good friend from high school, uh, her daughter who ended up being, a few years older than me before they, you know, my parents had me babysat me for a bit, but they, they were Michigan based for a long time. But then his friend, you know, her husband and the kids got a great job in Chicago and it was for Xerox, um, which they had a company party for Xerox back in the day. And they hired a clown to come entertain mm-hmm. them. No. And I have a photo of my oh, we've old talked babysitter. About this. Yeah, yes. My, my mm-hmm. old babysitter um, being held by John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. I'll post it again for fun for old times. Incredible. Sake. It should be rolled out every year for sure. Every year. Now, this bar we cannot go to, Brooke. And it's not only it's not because Charles Manson used to hang out there. <laughs> So this is City View Tavern in Cincinnati, Ohio. And according to Cincinnati Magazine, on multiple occasions, Manson apparently threatened to jump off the bar's deck after taking a few shots of tequila. And some locals say he actually did throw himself off the ledge. And the owners decided to stop serving tequila to prevent Manson from coming in. And the policy has been upheld to this day. Ugh, yeah, I don't so want to go there. So we can't go there. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What do you mean? Um, I just feel like it, they should bring it back and just call have a drink called the Manson. I mean, I don't know that we should. I uh, maybe we shouldn't like celebrate serial killers by having drinks named after them. Probably not. Um, but yeah, that's. I mean, of course he'd be like, of course he would like drink tequila and want to throw himself off things. That's uh, he, he wanted the attention. Was, that guy loved was, attention. Yeah, he was so mm-hmm. dramatic. Yeah, it's you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like oh, when yeah. Tom Tom Cruise was jumping on the couch on Oprah, uh, you know, just uh, little guys. Little, oh my goodness! I'm kidding him. I'm kidding about that. Um, so Richard Ramirez frequented and knew, you know, wait staff and bartenders at a place called Margaritas, and nobody there trusted this creepy motherfucker. You, you know, think? if you want to, if you, I know, I know, if you want to expand upon this, I mean, everyone knew that he was a petty you know, thief and kind of a weird dude getting off, um, you know, real weird Satanist vibes. Um, and then he was like, you know, everyone's just like, he was reckless and definitely giving signs of being a bit of a psychopath because he cared about nothing. I just, Um, and it's, this place is still open. It's 24 seven in Skid Row. So that sounds great. We should do that, Brooke. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to go to that bar. Uh, uh-uh. no, 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 no. It sounds like someone going there to specifically, you know, get in, get into some shit. Oh, know? absolutely. I mean, and you know, there's, I, of course there's going to be like bus tours of like people going in like to places. I mean, I don't know if they're actually stopping and going in, but you know, there's all sorts of serial killer tours, haunted ghost tours where people are definitely going and ugh, hanging out and yeah. seeing these places. So well, yeah, you know. like, like some of them, you know, where I'm like, listen, I stand by my wish to go to the Bellingham in Washington and more for my Twin Peaks sort of like right. fandom more than, you know, more so than being like, oh, cool. Like, I think like, you know, Ted Bundy's so awesome and that it was so awesome he was here. But it's also like, what is it? It's almost like you want to feel the creepy gravitational pull of 
Yeah, yeah. Like, whatever it is about these areas. What's the draw? What's the draw? And as we know, like, there are many, many weird spots all over the country that are all energy, over the world energy vortexes yeah too, where they might have totally. built a bar on an energy vortex it's very true especially for people who are narcissistic serial killers but <laughs> i think that i think we should wrap it up from there i'm creeped out but uh, uh, you guys yeah, oh boy yeah the the serial killers um are way spookier than ghosts i fully some people are just like accidentally that's just the lay of the land as you'd get shit slit in your throat slit by a prostitute or your wife and get tossed out the thing and that's just how life was that was just I, that was just the old west my friend yeah that was just the old west so the new west no thank you uh too too much too much going on but um god that wraps up another halloween spooky season guys uh I think that's it, Brooke. We'll talk about, we'll have to update you on our Halloween parties next time we talk to you. Yeah. Any of the antics that take place has not happened yet. You know, the, the weekend's coming up. Um, have fun. Everyone be safe. Enjoy. If you, again, have like a crazy uh, party that either your bar or restaurant is throwing, we would love to hear about it. it you cannot, like we said, you can always send in spooky and or Halloween related anything, anytime. We will read it. Yeah, sideworkpod at gmail.com. And uh, you know, Brooke, what we say at the end of every episode. Godspeed. Good tips. We'll talk to you next week for our 200th episode. (gasps) 